Inferno. You know, Sadat, if you know me, I'm a blam. A Robert Langdon to down. You are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and in this review, I've hidden several clues that if you listen at the right tones, capitalize the first letter of each sentence I say, you'll find a Botticelli painting that leads you to the next episode. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. I do not have a rap prepared. As Corky <laughs> said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we give that a dare. Double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies, and we rate a reverse dare on a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we are reviewing Tom Hanks and Ron Howard's Inferno, the 2016 sequel to Angels and Demons, and not the 1980 Dario Argento horror film, and I found that out the hard way. <laughs> but before we jump all into that business, Daniel's going to tell us about the beer we'll, we'll be drinking during the show. So today, Corky brought in a beer. It's from Bike Dog Brewing Company. It's a collaboration with Lead Dog Brewing Company. All the dogs got together on this one, and they made The Wolf Within. It Whoa. is a hazy IPA, 7.5% alcohol by volume. Corky, thoughts on The Wolf Within? Oh, it's the leader of the pack, Daniel. This this got me howling. No. <laughs> no no shitty uh, commercial ads. This Who's is a very the, uh, good... Gene Shallot. That Gene was, Gene Shallot. That was very Shallot-esque. <laughs> Boy, you'll love the lead of this pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good IPA, hazy IPA, but it does have a, a little bit of those resinous kind of pine notes from a, a West Coast IPA, so it's a really good one. Lead Dog in Reno, who we've had before, and Bike Dog in West Sacramento and Sacramento. Oh, I didn't realize the dog, you, you weren't just making a joke. That's really true. The dog breweries got together. Yeah, who let the dogs out? <laughs> Such a canine. That's a, a canine <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> I love it. We're 90 seconds in. The show's completely off the rails. So before we read this week's listener dares, we wanted to talk about our upcoming Scare Daniel series. Whoa. Just like last year, we're going to spend the month of October reviewing much maligned horror movies. And since Scare Daniel was so popular last year, we're going to buckle down and release four episodes in the month of October. So four in October, starting on October 8th, every Tuesday through October 30th. And after that, we're going to go back to our regular every other week schedule. Uh, some of the movies that we have lined up uh, Tuesday, October 15th, we have Vampire Academy. On Tuesday, October 22nd, we have Skullduggery, dared by Mark Krozik. And on Tuesday, October 29th, we have the ABCs of Death, dared by Molly McDonald. What? Corky's daughter. Someone very close to me. So now we're going to read a few of your movie dares. Thank you to everyone who has been sending these in to daredaniel.com. Go visit us there. Submit your dare. We'll read it on the show, and we might review it in an upcoming episode you see george c scott wincing in pain you know you're on the right page you're on the right page first dare comes to us from matt i don't know who this matt is mm. it's not my brother matthew barnes hey matt <laughs> and it's none of the other matts who may have come into the show before but it's just matt just matt what's Regular up matt? Old matt what you got for us matt matt has vampire academy it stars zoe deutsch deutsch and lucy fry it is directed by mark waters 
uh, written by Mark's brother, Daniel Waters. Uh, why did Matt want us to watch Vampire Academy? He says, hi there. I like your podcast a lot. So far, so good. <laughs> you are in like Flynn, my friend. Yeah, I've got a feeling we're doing Vampire Academy at some point. <laughs> I like your podcast a lot, and I particularly enjoy the episodes devoted to Ultraviolet and Transylmania, which I did see both a while ago and unfortunately remember vividly. My dislike for Transylmania is rivaled by my dislike for Once Bitten, so let me take this opportunity to say that Corky must have a very patchy memory if he seriously claims that it is a good horror comedy it is none of those things. Okay, Matt, you started off really strong. I but like Matt. <laughs> now you're kind of losing the I plot really here. like this Matt guy. Uh, Matt has become my mortal enemy. Once Bitten is a classic. <laughs> Potential third host for the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt, you're amazing so far. What else you got? Having seen lots of vampire films, I can tell you that with Transylvania and Ultraviolet, you have not even begun to reach the bottom of the barrel. That's terrifying. Yeah. Re- legitimately Because those were bad. Those were awful movies. The amount of bad vampire films is endless, but there is one for which I have very high hopes, and that is Vampire Academy. To be clear, this is not anywhere near the worst film ever. I rated it much higher than Transylvanian Ultraviolet, and even much higher than Once Bitten. But Vampire Academy is such a baffling mess, poorly written and poorly acted, that I am sure listeners would greatly enjoy listening to you guys trying to make sense of the many, many subplots. That is Vampire Academy. Let's read the IMDb synopsis. Rose Hathaway is a damn peer. Half-human, half-vampire, a guardian of the Moroi. This is already confusing. (laughs) Peaceful mortal... I love when they just make up new words for the things. Peaceful mortal vampires living discreetly within our world. Her calling is to protect the Moroi from bloodthirsty immortal vampires. The Strigoi. What? (laughs) That movie sounds good. I once had a neighbor who was really into that cosplay vampire party thing where like he... He had friends that would come over and they would act like vampires. Really? Yeah. Wow. And one day I kind of got talking to him about it and he gave me the instruction booklet. This reads just like that <laughs> instruction booklet. <laughs> Everyone has their own little backstory. Exactly. Fantastic. So thank you, Matt. Vampire Academy. So, Corky, you got another horror movie, dear. Yes, we got another one. Um, this one is from Doug. Just Doug. Hey, you, Doug. <laughs> not my brother, Doug, because I don't have a brother. His dare is Hellinger. A 1997 movie starring Massimiliano Church. Oh, no. It's directed Directed by Massimiliano Churchy. Massimiliano. I'm getting that name wrong. Stars Artie Richard, Shanna Betts, and James M. O'Donohue. Why did Doug dare us Hellinger? He says, Hellinger is an amazingly terrible Hellraiser knockoff that's so obscure, it's even difficult to Google. The star of the show is by far Hellinger himself. A pinhead ripoff with a raspy voice that Nick Nolte would kill for. Wow. As with many horror movies, he's unfortunately not the main character. That would be a Cynthia Rock Rothrock knockoff, whose name I can't even remember. The whole thing is wonderfully shoddy, and I think you'll get a lot of material from it. You had me at Cynthia Rothrock knockoff. <laughs> right? Try saying that three times, or once for me. The IMDb synopsis, a fallen man of the cloth, forever bound to the fires of hell by a pact made with Satan, is unleashed to torment humankind. I have never heard of this movie. We've got some good dares here, dude. I've never even seen any of the Hellraiser movies. Oh, really? Spoiler alert. Final dare of the day comes to us from Ryan L. Terry. Ryan was part of the Beautician and the Beast dare. Yeah, he's a big fan. From back in July. Yeah, that was awesome. What do you got for us now, Ryan L. Terry? Heavy hitter. Heavy hitter. What do you got? He's got Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. 
The Final Nightmare? That was not even close to The Final Nightmare. Mm -hmm. 1991, it was the sixth installment in the Elm Street franchise. Once again, Robert England returning as Freddy Krueger. Directed by Rachel Talale. It was the purported conclusion of the franchise at the time it was released. Of course, they made more. Doing research for this, there are three Goo Goo Dolls songs on the soundtrack <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> Why? What? what? 1991. I didn't know there were three Goo Goo Dolls songs. <laughs> they have three on the soundtrack. <laughs> what? I just, that was baffling to me. Anyway, why, Ryan Altieri, do you want me to listen to all these Goo Goo Dolls songs in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare? He says, as you guys know, I love horror, and Freddy is my favorite icon. I genuinely love all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, except the 2010 remake. But Freddy's Dead is horrendously, nightmarishly, excruciatingly bad. Even Freddy's one-liners and Robert Englund's charismatic acting and self-deprecating humor aren't enough to save this installment. Thankfully, New Line made up for it with New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason. IMDb synopsis says, Dream-haunting Freddy Krueger returns once again to prowl the nightmares of Springwood's last surviving teenager, and of a woman whose personal co- connection to Kruger may mean his doom. Have you ever seen this one? I have not. I kind of stopped on the third nightmare. You know, it's funny. I said I stopped on the third one, but that's the only one I've ever seen. I, so you <laughs> started and stopped on the third yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, the first one's really good. It, that's what I've heard. Really good. I just I had never had any interest in watching them, but the first one, very good. Great use of practical effects, some really right. amazing scenes. And then, of course... Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger is just fantastic. In the first one, it's kind of like a Beetlejuice thing where he's only he's got a minimal amount of screen time for the yeah. impact the yeah. character has, right? Absolutely. Great dares, you guys. Thank you for all these hor- all fantastic horrific, scarific, scare Daniel dares. Yeah, and we don't have a schedule right now, although possibly by this time we might have something posted on the blog. So check it out at daredaniel.com and come back in October for all of our Scare Daniel episodes. So, speaking of scary things, today we are reviewing Inferno. Uh, the movie is named after hell, which was pretty apt for me. So, why are we watching Inferno? Because we watched Angels and Demons last episode, which was dared to us by one of our favorites, David Paul. Hey, hey. The IMDb synopsis for Inferno is, when Robert Langdon wakes up in an Italian hospital with amnesia, he teams up with Dr. Sienna Brooks, and together they must race across Europe against the clock to foil a deadly global plot. Amnesia. That's like that's how low this is sunk. Angels and Demons is watchable in a trashy sort of way, but my God, Inferno is the most boring thing ever. It is the last of the three. Let's hope it's the last of the three in the Robert Langdon film series, also based on the novel by Dan Brown, also starring Tom Hanks as Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon, and also directed by Ron Howard. This one was scripted by David Kep, who did a credited rewrite on Angels and Demons. No other actors reprise their roles. No Stellan Skarsgård, the Swiss Guard. No Armin Mueller expedite. <laughs> no Pope Ewan McGregor. They're all gone. They're all gone. We got a new group here. Co-starring Felicity Jones, Irfan Khan, Omar Sy, Ben Foster, Sidse Babbitt, Newson. Ben Foster, of course, of Warcraft. Right. Which we just watched. Was that episode 44, maybe? I think it's 41. Let's go with 44. Inferno ramped production in July 2015, but did not get released until October 28, 2016. It was pushed from its original date by The Force Awakens. film did open on 3,576 screens. This is about 10 years after The Da Vinci Code, the first film, was released. Mm-hmm. Boy, those first two movies were hits. This was not a hit, at least not in America. It opened in second place. Remember, 3,600 screens. 
Open behind the second week of Boo a Medea Halloween, <laughs> playing on 1,300 fewer theaters. It grossed 34 million domestically against a production budget of 75 million. Did much better overseas, grossed 185 million, but that was still far less than the previous entries in the series. Critics didn't care for it either. 23 on Rotten Tomatoes, 42 on Metacritic. It's the worst rated of all three in the franchise. Corky, reading through the reviews, the critical consensus on Inferno seemed to be that it represented the nadir of a franchise. And while I certainly agree, some of these quotes, for example, Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian, once upon a time, this wackiness had some novelty value. Now it's tedious. Matt Singer of Screen Crush says Inferno is dumbed down to a shocking degree. They almost are giving too much credit to the predecessors. Now you've seen, I don't think you've seen Da Vinci Code I have yet, not seen Da Vinci you've Code. seen Angels and Demons. You've yeah. seen Inferno. Where do you place those two movies next to each other? Uh, I got to say that Inferno was, okay, so Angels and Demons is like the ninth circle of Dante's <laughs> Hell. Angels and Demons was somewhere like four for four? me. Yeah. <laughs> is that I, better? Or I don't know. Well, Do the I, circles go up or down? I, I know Casitas is the ice one, <laughs> but this is, I think is Rivers of Shit. The other <laughs> one's just Eternal Damnation. I actually, I liked it better than Angels and Demons. What? Yeah, I That's did. That's insane. I don't know quite where I am with this movie yet. I think talking through it, it's going to help me discover where I am, but I definitely did like it better than Angels wow. and Demons. I thought this was one of the most boring movies I hardly sat through That's in my life. That's the word. I, so I've checked out a few other reviews, and boring was a word that came up a lot on them. There's no, the, the consensus is it's a bad movie. Oh, yeah. But people differed a lot in the twists and the the puzzles and that kind of stuff. Oh, but boring was a big through line on the people who really didn't like yes. it. I was not bored. There were stretches. Really? Yeah. There were stretches of this movie where I was like actually kind of into it. That's, a, that's amazing. And I think this movie had <laughs> of the, of the two movies that I've seen, this movie had the only compelling character of, of these movies at all. Irfan Khan was amazing. I thought he was so good and watchable in every scene he was in. He's good because he's good. Yeah. But, and, and, but he also had good, somehow he had good character. dialogue. Oh man. Somehow he had good dialogue. <laughs> like the only guy who got to have good dialogue was Irfan Khan. Yeah. No, I think it's not only the worst of the three films. I have seen Da Vinci Code as well. I think it's the worst thing Ron Howard's ever done. <laughs> I think it's maybe the worst thing I've watched all year. Maybe the wow. worst film in the history of the show. It is legitimately unwatchable. The series goes from like the Da Vinci Code, which is like <laughs> lovingly faithful to the source text to a fault. Then there's just the nonstop chase nonsense of Angels and Demons. And then this, which is just lifeless, pointless, indecipherable. You thought this was worse than Ultraviolet? <sighs> worse than a Christmas Story 2? It's not as assaultive on the senses, yeah. I would say, but it's so much more dull it's it has no pulse there's no reason for the film to even exist uh, hey <laughs> and, and angels and demons i think understands that but compensates by making it a non-stop chase movie where they're always racing off to somewhere this they're never doing anything uh i see i took it as like they took they said you know we did too much in that one let's let's, let's take it way let's down put, let's put yes. it in the third absolutely they do we're gonna downshift on this one absolutely well let's get right into All right, it let's then. go that sounds good so of course uh the film is inferno and starring tom hanks as massive head wound harvard symbologist robert langdon <laughs> <laughs> i was called a massive headwood hanksy but that's better <laughs> So the film starts, and man, right away, Ronnie Howard, Jesus. I mean, if you thought yeah. he was 
hard to watch a Howard film before. Now watch him try to be artsy. Yeah, yeah. A little artsy. I, like I said, there were stretches of this movie I enjoyed, but that didn't happen until about 40, 40 minutes into it. <laughs> so it's this video of Ben Foster, <laughs> Warcraft star Ben Foster, yeah. as Zobrist, this sort of messianic billionaire scientist. Yeah. And he's giving a lecture about overpopulation. And it's all quick cuts. It's close up. It's far shot. It's changes in point of view. There's weird angles. It's speeding up. It's slowing down. It's just like, it's like fucking cool as ice all yeah. of a sudden. You yeah. Know? It's like the credits to Biodome. So he's giving some sort of a pseudo environmental lecture about overpopulation. Half of Ben Foster's scenes in this movie are a TED talk. Are him doing this <laughs> TED talk. Exactly. And he's giving all these very cryptic quotes. He says, maybe pain can save us. Mm. He's the central question seems to be, would you kill half of the people in the world to save humanity? That's sort of the central philosophical question. Now we see him being chased. He climbs up in a tower. Very, it gets all very vertigo here. No, for you some see, reason. you see Ben Foster stunt double getting chased. It's, oh yeah, it is not Ben Foster. You see the back of his head until he's chased. in a CGI uh, tower. <laughs> it's not. I'm ben- only working green screen. <laughs> I'm Ben Foster. I only do that now. So anyway, he gets chased up there. He has a confrontation with the guy who's chasing him. He, I don't remember his name. Mr. Bouchard. Mr. Bouchard. The actor is Omar Sy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ben Foster, rather than getting caught. Leaps to his death from the top of the tower in a very CGI shot, and kaboom, he's dead. When he, when Mr. Bouchard traps him up in the tower before he kills himself, he, Mr. Bouchard says, it's been a long road, but here we are. And I'm like, oh, you saw Angels and Demons too? <laughs> <laughs> so as he jumps to his death, there's a quote about humanity's last hope. This yeah. is like, he's working on something. This yeah. is, they're chasing him for some reason. So now Tom Hanks as... Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon wakes up in a hospital bed and boo, they all start up again. All the quick cutting and the fading in and out and the strange angles. He's having crazy visions mm-hmm. of a city on fire, of people with backwards heads. Of a 300 type battlefield happening. I am legend zombies. <laughs> it's just, It really just looks fucking awful. Fucking Howard the Hack trying okay, to be an artist. So here I was watching this and I'm like, okay, so this was, Ron Howard was like, I fucking gonna get it right this time like he's i've had this is my third bite at the apple i'm doing a horror movie now that's what this it's become a horror movie because that's what it seems like at the beginning yeah yeah so he's supposed to have head trauma Mm -hmm. and he's having these visions he's having headaches he's very light sensitive but then there's also something about maybe he was drugged as well in the hospital but this is where we meet dr sienna brooks that's felicity jones uh she's by langdon's bedside when mm-hmm. he wakes up in the hospital he's confused he thinks he's in boston because of course he's a harvard symbologist sure but he is actually in florence how does he know that well he can't just take her word for it exactly he needs to he sees a tower <laughs> he sees a specific tower he's like prop up my bed yeah so then he looks and he can see the tower that's the tower of whatever he has to lang explain how he knows it's florence to someone who's in florence <laughs> That's the piazza erected <laughs> that's in 1620. A, that's a city she is a doctor in. So anyway, yes, he realizes he's in Florence. Dr. Sienna Brooks says that she is a longtime fan mm-hmm. of Robert Langdon's. She saw him give a speech when she was like nine years old. Yeah, right? she, she Yelp reviews a couple of his books. Don't remember that because they are not giving away a twist here <laughs> at all. There's no way that's a tell. Oh, this movie is so fucking clumsy. It's hilarious. So... 
a police officer, a female police officer comes in, but she's an assassin. Mm -hmm. She shoots a doctor in the hallway, just some random doctor, and pursues uh, Sienna Brooks and Robert Langdon, and they take off together. And, of course, they're doing all this mixing of speeds and angles. He's seeing rivers of blood. He's having all these visions as, as they're being chased. At this point, I have to say, my notes became almost completely indecipherable as indecipherable as the script of this film <laughs> there was a whole lot of, i just had a note that says wow this is irritating <laughs> it was it was pretty annoying oh my god all the, i mean it's like i've always had this feeling that when the oscars give out an award for best editing or best cinematography or best uh, acting they're always giving it for most it's right. always they're going for quantity rather than quality yeah yeah that may not be true because this film did not sweep the Oscars for editing and cinematography. This has the most editing. There's been, yeah, there's been a hundred different cut to something uh, else in and, this. And utterly pointless. There's no, none of it coheres together. None of it's interesting. None of it is drawing us into the world. I started really cringing every time I saw Hank start rubbing his temples because I knew one of those shots was coming. <laughs> so they go back to Dr. Sienna Brooks's house. She's like, it's just inexplicable why she sticks around. She just sticks around because she wants answers. What's yeah. going on with this crazy guy and his head wound? And they these do people not flush it out at all why no. she would be sticking her neck out like this. So at this point, they have an exchange. Remember, it, uh, Hanks has amnesia. They have an exchange. Can I read this to you? I got it from the script. Please. <clears throat> so Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon says, he's sitting on the couch rubbing his temples, as he said. He's looking <laughs> a little confused. And he, he says to Sienna Brooks, can I ask you for a cup of, uh, it, it's, no, oh, it's, um, well, it's brown and it's hot and people drink it in the morning for energy. Uh, tea? Tea. No. The other one. Coffee. Coffee. Can I have a cup of coffee? That's dialogue in a movie. <laughs> a major motion picture and international hit. I forgot what coffee is. It's the other one. <laughs> what, what really calls me is he knows his Gmail password like a scene later. Absolutely. <laughs> and then right after that, he's like looking at Botticelli as though like that's more essential to his nature, deciphering clues in Botticelli than, than knowing, knowing coffee or the tea. Word coffee. <laughs> so anyway, there's just a lot of nonsense here. There's some talk of plague masks. She tells him that he was babbling. I'm very sorry, very sorry, very sorry. I was right. like, oh, that's Hanks talking about the series. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The, he has a vision of a snake biting a man. Yeah. A really bad CGI. Oh, that boy, was awful. Snakes on a plane level. He also explains that, uh, or he realizes that his watch is missing. He's a symbologist. Mickey Mouse is a great symbol. I wanted, Hello. A, I wanted a cut to scene where Christopher Walken is sitting there holding up a Mickey Mouse watch <laughs> for him and explaining <laughs> his parents held this up their ass. <laughs> so they pull out some cylinder. I don't know. I can't even remember. Well, where they got you, this. you also find out that uh, Brooks, they, they painstakingly show that she is OCD. That will never, ever come <laughs> up again. That matters not at all. But yeah, they pull out something that looks like a neuralizer for men in black. And he says, it's a bio tube. <laughs> Good enough. So his bio opens the tube. And in there is a Faraday pointer. Faraday pointer. And on the Faraday pointer is a Botticelli map of Dante's hell. At which point she says about Dante, I studied it when I was younger. It's like, it's like expository dialogue is amazing. <laughs> anyway, as they're trying to figure all this stuff out, this 
World Health Organization mobile command unit, which led by Omar Sy, Bouchard, yeah. from the opening scene right. in the tower. They are trying to find Tom Hanks and Sienna Brooks, Langdon and Brooks. They're trying to figure out what's going on here. And they want the Faraday pointer and whatever. Who knows? They're also, this. I mean, the cutting is so bizarre. They watch this lecture by Ben Foster. Yeah. This, right? Which, when you find out the twist later on, it's, like, really ridiculous that they watch like, this in her apartment. Yeah. yeah. So, again, he's giving his lecture about overpopulation and extinction events. And Tom Hanks realizes he created a plague. He's created a new black plague to unleash on the world and bring his ideas into reality. This is another thing. So this movie, like I said, they take the explaining way down, but that's because they just don't do it. He just, he doesn't tell you how he got there. He just says the next thing. I'm done. I got it. And since he has a head wound, she has to do the double duty on it. So now we don't just have him doing it. They're doing it back and forth (laughs) to each other. And he realizes he's made an anagram. There's a, Zobris has left a puzzle in the Botticelli. But he can't remember the n- name of the word anagram. Like just, it's like the coffee scene again. Yes. She has to say what it's an like anagram, anagram is. Yes, that's it. <laughs> and she helps him solve the puzzle. They run away. They're chased by the WHO thugs, but they make it away. Now there's a talk about, we need to call the provost, who I guess this is Irfan Khan, right? Yes, As Irfan Khan. Harry Sims? Yeah, I, Mr. Sims. Mr. Sims. Yeah. Irfan Khan. As we are first introduced to him, he is in his office. He is writing a memo on his computer. What are the words, phrases that you see on the memo? Top secret crash site. <laughs> is that something you want a paper trail on, Mr. Sims? Especially when, when your office is in a secret uh, international waters floating matilla. I got to get this down. <laughs> I got to get this down on paper. Make sure you save this to the main frame. So anyway, long story short, he's a shadowy government guy who yeah. covers things up. The Vatican, the Catholic Church, all that, gone. There's no religion yeah. in this movie at all. No, I mean, there's some churches and stuff like that because it's because it's old italy but yeah. there's nothing there's no <laughs> no nothing religious about, uh, catholic history or anything like that yeah no conspiracies and i mean the first two were i guess sort of controversial in that sense yeah. um they said no there's they, they that's all co-opted by the shadowy world health organization. <laughs> oh yeah the world health organization's evil Entity. Well, the WHO, I guess, is okay. Whatever this thing, this it, provost thing I is. I got to be honest. It's never really clear who is the WHO and who isn't, yeah. and then who's corrupt in the WHO or <laughs> exactly. not. At this point, what you need to know is there's basically three different groups that are chasing Langdon and Brooks. Yes. So you've got this WHO mobile command unit led by Bouchard. Bouchard. Right? You've also got Sidsay Babbitt Knudsen, who kind of just comes in at this scene of this chase or something like that she knows she, bouchard but you don't know how she knows, she knows bouchard. bouchard but bouchard is keeping something from her you right. get the feeling they're also probably she's maybe who2 i think and they're just different parts of the who and then there's Irfan khan as sims he's just some shadowy government guy who covers things up right yeah and they're all after him and we're not sure exactly and, no why. He's, he's a shadowy non-government guy he's he's tied to no right government. yeah yeah exactly yeah. but he's doing something he he has some involvement with zobrist and with covering up what he has been doing but then you also have people with their heads turned backwards chasing tom hanks <laughs> in his dreams right. <laughs> speaking of chases they get chased by a drone that's right. There's a drone chase. And drones are plentiful and very easy to just shoot a drone, right? So they CGI it. <laughs> they CGI the drone chase. They probably had to use a drone 
with a camera on it to shoot the scenes where they CGI the drone into. I don't know why they couldn't CGI somebody who can run faster than Tom Hanks because he is shuffling along. He's got a doughy run. And meanwhile, this like CGI drone is just like flying at hundreds of miles per hour. It can be anywhere at any time, but it keeps missing them. Right. Keeps missing them. And then they escape and it seems like, all right, chase is over. Nope. Keeps going. Just keeps going. Then the Italian assassin gets involved in the chase, doesn't she? Yeah. The uh, female cop is the female cop assassin. Yeah. We learned her name is Viantha. Viantha. Because she call- she's actually employed by Mr. Sims, Harry Sims. Right. And she's ordered to kill Langdon because he's in the way now. And Langdon has this memory of, of a syringe going in his neck. And you start to think maybe this is why he's having these weird visions. It's not the head trauma. It's that he's been drugged. And then we find out that very sorry is not very sorry. It's Vasari, the name <laughs> of an Italian painter, sculptor. <laughs> It doesn't matter. So, for whatever reason, I cannot even remember why, but they have to go see the Dante Death Mask. Yeah. So, they go to this museum because they need to. There's a clue on the Dante Death Mask. But didn't Zobris leave the clues? How did he get the Dante? I mean, I guess it, the, the Dante Death Mask is ridiculously easy to steal. In this you movie. cannot figure this part of the movie <laughs> this out. This is insane. Because you find out the timeline that it took. At the, at the end, after the twist, Bertrand Zobers had three days to put together this chase, I, this this puzzle. Yeah. Why he did it, I don't know. But then that death mask must have put in there years ago. Right? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? That's so insane. Oh, man. So anyway, they go to see the death knight. In the museum, he sees, uh, Langdon sees a woman that he knows, like a colleague, some yeah. sort of another expert in ancient. A very pregnant woman. A pregnant woman. He introduces Sienna as his niece. And as they walk to go to the Dante part. Death Mask, what I thought was great here was she just starts mansplaining Dante <laughs> to the mansplainer of all mansplainers, Robert Langdon. I mean, how must he feel just sitting there being like, uh, yeah, I know about Dante, thanks. Hey, then, then you have three explainers right there in <laughs> right. one room together. Like, who, who's the alpha explainer? They're all, just, ah, all explaining at the same time. So they go to see the mask. The mask is gone. It's gone. What? What? Where'd the mask go? So they go, well, let's go look at the security footage. Because, like, just taking the mask didn't set anything off. (laughs) What the fuck is the security (laughs) in this place? So they go to watch the video. And who's on the video stealing the mask? Big boy Bobby Langdon, baby! With his friend Ignacio. With Ignacio, the guy who got bit by the snake earlier, who is the Dante expert. (laughs) (laughs) So he's the one that you need to steal the mask? Like... It's just in the museum. Oh, fuck. So, but I, re- I realize everything in this movie is named like a Robert Ludlum novel, like the Vasari Gate, the Faraday Pointer, <laughs> the Hudson <laughs> Protocol. They're able to escape somehow. Yeah, that's a thing. They they will be cornered yeah. on all sides by three different organizations. Like everyone's there watching Robert Langdon steal the Dante Death Mask. They, and Robert this, Langdon's in the room. This was one of the things I kind of admired about the movies because I think they lean into it. They, he just calls it out in one part. He goes, there's always a way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? There's always some fucking fake door here. <laughs> so they walk through a bunch of fake paintings. Uh, at one point, they go through a map of Armenia. So shout out to my Armenian boy, David Paul. What up, DP? How you doing, my boy? They jump up into... <sighs> the attic of well, the they're church in, they're in the hall of 500 right. and so i think when they go up above that's the hall of 501 that's right <laughs> so there's there's a big attic above the hall of 500 i watch the prices right i know how to go above they're getting chased by the the lady cop assassin right right so they're walking on these planks 
over the, over the the roof of the Hall of Five Hundred. Sienna falls down, but she just falls to like some lower planks. The assassin doesn't see it. He she keeps pursuing Robert Langdon, and Sienna jumps from behind just as she's about to kill Langdon. Cuts her with some sort of a big knife that she has. Yeah, where did and she get then that? The assassin falls through the painting in the ceiling, mm-hmm. hundreds of feet to her death, and you just see her. Grab, Plop. So there's these people in the Hall of 500. Shit is going down. They know they're getting on lockdown. There's a dead a cop flies through the roof and splatters onto the floor. Nobody goes to help this cop. She's dressed like a cop. <laughs> they just, well, that's weird. That's, that's crazy. Is this part of the exhibit? Right through that ancient painting. And then right as Bouchard looks up through the <laughs> hole, he sees Langdon and Brooks run by the yeah, hole. Yeah, absolutely. And But they're able to just Get lost in the crowd and they're awake Be- Because there's a very well-timed and fortuitous uh, protest going on outside. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, right. The only reason they, they walk get... out and there's just some protest. There and, happens, you know, yeah. Europe. There happens to be a protesting crowd. Things. So, yeah, they just get away. That's fine. We cut back to the boat with the shadow organization on there. Right. They're on a boat. Yes. Well. No, they're in a boat in international waters. But the people who are taking the calls are on the boat. Irfan Khan's just somewhere, no, right? Ur- no, Irfan Khan's on the boat. He's on the boat, too. Because the guy who takes the call is from Chernobyl. <laughs> he's he's Volychek from Chernobyl. And he's the one who walks into his office and explains, we fucked up. Okay. But I love this part because we didn't mention it. The first time you see Irfan Khan, they're about to watch a video. Yes. We cut back to them right now after this point. They are just at like the two-minute mark of the video. <laughs> just started watching. Several hours of stuff has happened. Like, what are you doing the whole <laughs> time? Just, like, they just kept rewinding the one like, minute hey, over. Hey, guys, rest up before we start this video, okay? <laughs> I want us to watch this video you know, with I like tired to, eyes. I like to watch them on eighth speed. <laughs> so, we find out that, yeah, Zobris created the Inferno virus. It's going to cut the Pearl population in half. Yep. In Irfan Khan's desk, he opens up a drawer, <laughs> and there's just a bunch of knives in there, but I, those are like plague knives? So, Irfan Khan goes to his desk, and it's one of those things where you press a button, and he goes, like it's this pneumatic And there's seal. all these like molded things, and there's just like these old knives in yeah, there. Yeah, that's his special knife drawer. <laughs> What's that supposed to be? Oh, he's, the, Daddy's going to work. That's what that is. <laughs> so anyway, he gets his old knives. But, okay, so... When we find out that the the plan, the the virus is that 50% of the world's population is going to die. Right. It took all the stakes out of the movie. Yeah. Because that's not going to happen. No. No way half the Earth's population is going to kill. So, you never have to worry, is this going to happen? Right. Are they not going to save the day? No, they're they're fucking definitely going to save the day. They're going to save the day. Yeah. Or will they? Yes, (laughs) they will. Anyway, they find the death mask somehow. The Dante desk mask. Death mask. Robert Langdon, because this movie is well written, says- Dante again. Always Dante. Why Dante? Was he watching Clerks? (laughs) (laughs) He grabs the mask. It's not even supposed to be here today. (laughs) So Langdon and Brooks are on a train to Venice because they think the death mask is sending them to Venice. They're with Bouchard. Mm -hmm. Bouchard's like, I gave you the Faraday pointer. I'm the guy who brought you into this. You know, like I'm, I'm the good guy. Yeah. Hanks has a memory of Sidse Babbitt Knudsen. Yeah. The female giving him his, the female WHO. Maybe. Whoever. Whoever. <laughs> fuck she is. Of her giving it to him. Yeah. These, are, these are the hallucinations Hanks has been instructed not to trust the whole time. He's like suddenly like, <laughs> nope, he's lying because I had a memory. Yeah, right. 
and he has a yeah, he has a memory of her giving him the Faraday pointer back in Harvard. Um, this now cuts to a scene where Sitze, I can't remember her, her name, name is Elizabeth Sinsky. Elizabeth Sinsky. I paid way more attention to this movie than you did. You sure did. <laughs> Sinsky and Sims are having a conversation. They. T- <laughs> this is how amazing this movie is. So it starts on it starts on them two of them. She says, no, "Hold on, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but the way way we get there is they're flying to Geneva. Well, they're going to Geneva because go- isn't that where the WHO is located? Well, that's where uh, Bouchard said he's going to take them. They didn't want to go to Geneva. He said, I'm taking you to Geneva. Oh, okay. Okay. So she knows that they're going to go to Geneva. She's going to fly to meet him there. She walks up to the uh, airline desk, says, I need to buy tickets to Geneva. Or I need to get on the plane. She says that. And it's one of those things where she says it to a person working a desk, but off. I mean, there's no way he could have heard the dialogue, but he just walks in. They're not going to Geneva. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Cut away. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have heard what she was saying and you had just had the correct information. You happened to walk. He, did he time his walk? Like, did he hang out behind a column before? Okay, now. Now I can dramatically <laughs> interrupt her. So now we cut to Sims and and Sinsky? Sinsky. Sinsky having a conversation. It So cut into the room and it, it begins with her saying, so you're telling me <laughs> that you gave, you covered up this plague and then you let them get away. And now you're saying, like, it's actually structured like that. It's like really- her just repeating everything that he said off screen yep. as questions. Everybody who who did, who's missed this part of the movie or everything let's that's happened, you all let's up. catch you all. <laughs> and it's not even a room. They're having this conversation in an airline lounge, <laughs> like a place where you go rest and sit down for a bit. <laughs> oh, fucking amazing. So, yeah, um, basically... Harry Sims says that he was working with Zobris against the WHO, but now he's going to work together because he was horrified by Zobris' plan to kill half of humanity. Good job. There we go. There's some horse statues. They go to horse statues, and then Robert Langdon, for some reason, is like, oh, these are the wrong horse statues. We got to go to Istanbul. (laughs) The movie continues the tradition of the tour guide that's next to them having all the pertinent information that they need. There's never a tour guide who's like, actually, I don't know that part. Yeah, that what? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Or just lying just to get them to leave them alone. So they're again chased, and they they're kind of climbing out of the church. There, there's a sort of grate that they're climbing through, and they have to kind of reach up to get it. Brooks comes out first and decides, you know what? Now's the time to do my heel turn. <laughs> Now's the time. Now I will explain my nefarious plan yep. to Langdon. <laughs> and it turns out, and we see in flashbacks that all of these clues were left for Sienna. Yeah. By Zobrist, who yeah. is her ex-lover. In the event of his death, he said, follow these clues and you're going to find it. And now it's on her to release the new plague. Everything involving the shooting at the hospital is explained as squibs in the door. Not there, but later it is. Yeah, squibs yeah. in the door. Uh, yeah. The doctor, everything was a fake. The doctor getting killed, which now, because the movie didn't make sense before. Now that it's trying to explain it, it makes less sense. Because now you're just like, well, why did she do any of the things that she did? Why did I mean, if the assassin was coming, she hired the assassin. So no. why was the assassin trying to kill her? Zobrist. No, the Zobrist hired the assassin, but it wasn't really an assassin. It was a setup to make it look like an assassin was after Langdon to make Langdon. But then why did the assassin chase them up into the roof? Because her orders changed. Sim says, scrap the original plan, kill Langdon. He's an- <laughs> Yeah, they say it. 
it makes sense when you look back. It, I mean, it, it, that part makes sense. Right. Half of it doesn't make sense, but that part makes sense. Ooh. No. Uh, you have to turn your brain on for like half. <laughs> the worst part, though, about this heel turn, she borrowed 100 euro from him right before she did it. So <laughs> okay. now, not only is she going to kill half the population, heel turns and leaves him down there. She owes him 100 euro. That's fucked. Right? This is Sinsky where- whisks Langdon off to Istanbul, and they're they're off after uh, Sienna Brooks, and they have this very very boring talk about their relationship regrets. They used to be lovers, but they couldn't make it work. He talks about doorways for like ten minutes. Doorways. How important are doorways? <laughs> the oddest things happen in doorways. What? I don't know. What? I did not pay attention to that part. It goes on for so long, and this movie is over two hours. And that well, it's it's. I noticed it's two hours and one minute. Maybe I saw a different cut, but it's two hours and one minute because they were definitely like, no, we're, we're paring this shit down this time. <laughs> but the Chiron now tells you you're at Istanbul University, and the Chirons I noticed are doing the work that Robert Langdon did in the previous movie, where it's explaining where you are, where and you everything, are yeah. what time it is. <laughs> temperature so yeah they arrive uh, after some just brutally boring flashback sequences where you find out she was actually in the youtube video that he watched it's like why would she show him that (laughs) (laughs) langdon they arrive in istanbul langdon symbolizes the symbols everyone lectures everyone about everything they enter this area i don't even know what the fuck was going on but he just yells my god this is a labyrinth (laughs) <laughs> and it's sort of like his vision coming true it's like they're they're oh. in this catacomb there's water everywhere it's like a batman villain lair. there's red lights reflecting off of the water so it looks like blood river yep, yep. there's a an orchestra playing there's all these just like little wooden walkways that people are walking around and getting chased around it would not surprise me at all to see like killer croc or uh the joker down there <laughs> i swear that is a batman villain layer ignacio apparently she makes an appearance i guess the, the cgi snake didn't hurt him too bad but he's played by uh italian chris parnell did you notice that guy? <laughs> Yeah, so Sims gets stabbed. He dies. Uh, there's the disease bag is in the water. And where's it? Where's the disease bag hidden? It's a, in the in the stone that says rebirth. It's like, don't be so on the right? fucking nose. You don't have to leave a clue for anyone. You don't actually You're done with the do clues. a dipsy doodle. Right? Hide it in the one that doesn't say rebirth and fool the fuck out of them. <laughs> so it's this disease bag and it's in some box, right? Um, oh, when, when Sinsky saves the, the day? Yeah, she she put some box around so it or something. What happens is Sienna has to. Exp- she's throwing C four charges in there to. She's explode trying to it. explode it, and this will. I mean, can you just rip the damn bag? Hey, you, you could do anything. Well, no, let's, let's explode it. You could actually give it to the person in case <laughs> I die. Go. Here's here's a copy of this virus. Here's the virus. Yeah. Like, but she what she does is she ends up exploding herself. Brooks does. That's how Felicity Jones exit stage left. She explodes herself. And then the virus thing is about to explode, but Sinsky's trying to contain it into this glass box. Yes, right. And if, while while this is all happening with Brooks throwing all these charges and these explosives and stuff, of course, she's monologuing mm. about how right this is and how good this is going to be for humanity. And, you know, doesn't Robert Langdon believe this? And, and Robert Langdon doesn't believe in what Zobris is doing. And his <laughs> advice to her is, scream at the top of your lungs. Invent. And lead. <laughs> like, while fucking explosions are happening, he's trying to give it inspired, whatever. 
Anyway, so yeah, set up a series of home window displays on safety. (laughs) (laughs) Visit a dairy, find out how well milk is handled. (laughs) Sienna's dead. There's a box around the thing. Lights on the box go from red to yellow to green. That's how you know we're safe. Everything is fine. <laughs> and everyone's just looking at the box like, is it going to turn to the green? Th-? Like, I'm telling what you, what kind of scientists are This movie people? knew how dumb it was. <laughs> Fucking dumb. So, the, yeah, everything's fine. Disease yeah. contain everything good. So the movie's over. Now let's go for 10 more fucking minutes right, yeah. of Sinsky and Langdon hashing out their relationship and their regrets and shit. Uh, and then he returns the Dante mask. He gets his watch back. And he gets his watch back. Yeah. How did he return the Dante mask? How did he steal the Why Dante mask? Why did they mask? let this fucking guy in the area ever again after he's on video stealing the Dante mask? Takes a pregnant woman hostage. <laughs> I don't Kills even understand. They, they might think he killed that cop. What happened? So we find out, we do see that there's a point where Langdon is talking to Sinsky before all of this stuff happens, before he wakes up in the hospital. She, she and he gets him. kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of people come and kidnap him. And that, that was all Sienna Brooks's plan, right? Those people were working for. That was Zobris' plan. That, he, <sighs> Zobris, it was Zobris. There's a plan. There's a flashback where. She's like, okay, so now this is all your, even though I helped you figure out this plan, I helped you work it, you have to continue. He's like, yeah, it's too dangerous. So he did all that stuff. She didn't, well, she knew about it. She was an actor in it, in the uh, Sims organization. <laughs> Sim City. Sim City. <laughs> the, the boat people, whatever they are. I don't know the what they The CCI. Sure. They're called the CCI. The Hmong. <laughs> Oh, that would be no, so good. No, because Zobris just left the puzzle for her. No, but Zobris also, he was a client of CCI. They talk about it many times. Yes, they were working to cover him up, but he Their didn't- whole point was to get Langdon to show her in case she didn't pick it up. But she's shown as being like super good at- pu- Hey, <laughs> no fucking argument. This does not hold water, but that's the reason they gave. No. I don't know. That doesn't make No. I mean, no, it's not going to make sense anyway. We slice it. Right? Yeah. Right. It's not. But I, oh, so the I tried Zobris to go- plan was for like, just show up as a doctor and yeah. this dude will be in a bed. <laughs> That's what I was like. Is she really a doctor? I don't know. Cause she seemed <laughs> to know a lot about medicine. <laughs> and I didn't, okay. I will admit, I didn't see the twist coming. I didn't see that she was evil. What? Yeah. I didn't see that. I did not see that twist coming. Oh, come on. They, tip their hands no nope. basically in the first scene angels and demons tip the the twist oh this oh, one is did, a, did you happen to know i was a pilot i'm the only good guy i'm the second most famous person in this movie <laughs> what about her being a fan of his when she was young she's solving all these puzzles right away she I, solves them before he does i just thought that was a clever way of now langdon is got his head wound so he's not in on his game we've got someone else who can pick up that annoying duty so, Corky, let's wrap it up and give our ratings. I think it's pretty obvious what my rating is, but just to remind everybody, we give a dare to the run-of-the-mill bad film. Double dare is for next-level bad. Reverse dare is a movie we actually liked. I am double, triple, quadruple, multiply it, buried in the ground, fucking put a clue on it. I don't give a shit. This movie's bad. I announced at the beginning I didn't know where I was with this movie, and that literally meant I didn't know if I was double dare dare or reverse dare on this movie i wow i really didn't know because i had fun at stretches of this movie like i hadn't had in maybe warcraft there were some moments that was enjoyable fun but in a long time 
But I'm landing on Dare on this movie because I would never watch this movie again. Right. Like I I didn't mind watching parts of it. There are parts of it that are so ridiculously stupid. I give the movie more credit than Dan does. I think the movie leaned into the bits and knew what it was. But uh I it just stuns me. It fucking stuns me that we've done three Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> Tom Hanks is like one of the finest actors of our genera- of sure. any generation. We've done three of his movies. We haven't done a single Nicolas Cage movie. They're they're like there are bad movie, yeah. there are bad movie podcasts that dedicate whole months to him. <laughs> we haven't done them. Damn, we've done three Tom Hanks, but uh, it's a damn. Up. It's two hours long, which is way too long. It's unnecessary. I'd never watch it again. But I did have fun. You could have fun on some parts on a cable on a Sunday if it's on. No, I massively disagree. Yeah. Massively disagree. I think. Add it all up, and yeah, Angels and Demons is complete nonsense, but this movie is brutal in the moment-to-moment as well. There's nothing that you could just cut to and be like, well, well, that's just sort of a fun thing, because it's just so over-directed, over-shot, over-edited, and yet at the same time, under-directed, under-shot, under-edited, because nobody put any real thought into it. I will say, Ron Howard is is now just one of my reviled directors. He's he's That movie had to get out of Ron Howard's way. Ooh. I, I would I would say that any parts I liked I would hope would be the second unit. Was <laughs> all the second unit was the coverage was great. Yeah, sure, great, great, great. Oh, coverage. there was another part we didn't bring up, uh, or I didn't bring up last time in Angels and Demons. There's a several shots where they're filming in in these really uh, historical places. Yeah, you can see whole backgrounds of people filming that they're filming a movie. All, <laughs> they barricaded <laughs> off. Yeah, <right. laughs> Why that's Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon. Get your phones out, everybody. Get your barriers out because the people he, are going to try to swarm. Them. He may symbolize right now. Let's let's watch. People just running up. Hey, hey, I got a Rubik's cube. Can you solve this for me? <laughs> the Slylock uh, Fox. I, I can't crack the code. Solve this anagram now. <laughs> all right. So that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. Could be Spotify, could be Apple Podcasts, could be Google Podcasts, could be Stitcher, could be any of them. Wherever you're doing, like and rate us. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, where can people find you symbolizing? Oh, I'll be symbolizing and langsplaining on uh, uh, any floating flotilla out in international waters with a secret non-governmental suicide no, assassin organization who covers things up actually though you can see me on a boat doing mysteries uh at the suspects dinner theater on the delta king in old sacramento mystery boat or at sacramento comedy spot uh you can come down take classes see shows uh come out and have fun sounds good for dear daniel i am daniel barnes our producer is johnny symbologism flores <laughs> And I'm Corky McDonald saying there's always a way out.